privilege to be standing here and see familiar faces. Uh, thank you for praising the Lord and thank you for welcoming me here. My name is uh, Patrick Senyonjo, for those of you that don't, don't know me, but the second name I will not mention that you can pronounce it. <laughs> it's always the trouble even for the old friends of mine, but yeah, um, first of all, I just want to thank you all that, uh, as a church, um, for, um, uh, their, uh, great fundraising that you did on, in honor of, um, Terry's. It was successful. God is good. And I'm sure Terry will be, or she is very happy because she never been to Uganda, but she always, She's always the saint. She always sent Jim to go there. <laughs> and she's like, I want to come to Uganda, but I always wanted Jim to go there. <laughs> so, uh, thank you very much for believing in her mission. And, uh, I'm, I'm sure your, um, your, your support and, uh, everything, uh, will go in good use. Anyway, uh, well, um, just want to start, uh, to those that have known me for a long time, uh, I want to give you the update of Patrick, not the ministry today. Uh, as Patrick, you knew me as Patrick, but today I have a wife, I, I got married, I have a wife, and uh, I have three kids. Uh, God has blessed me with three kids, so, um, I am so honored and so, because if you know my story, I have not been like a, a family person, you know, or, uh, with all my parents and, uh, I've raised my sister, but, uh, God has given me three children, uh, that he, uh, he has entrusted me to raise on top of the 250 back home. So <laughs> God is so good. So, uh, my kids, uh, my wife, sends her greetings to you, and uh, she's called Priscilla. We always go by PP. And uh, uh, we have uh, Chris and Daniela and Diane. Those are our children. So one child, we adopted him from Uganda, but they are, uh, the three kids are all here in the United States. So um, <clears throat> I just want to start with my story. Um when I was, uh, like, it's this, this gen of Patrick, individual Patrick life and vision started way back in 2018 when, um, I was looking onto like, uh, my country, you know, all at large, you know, I, I have a ministry raising up for Uganda. It's going on well and generous people just like you guys are supporting us and children are growing and, but the country itself is going down because of the greedy leaders. I'm pretty sure even in America, we've talked this with Jim and Mike and, and, and Brian, those are the hattos, but we've talked about this several times, but I know America also does that. looks like it's going there, but, uh, in our sense is that uh, our president has been on power for the past 36 years and it still keeps on going and then keeps on killing people, innocent people and all that. So our country became unsafe. Like, unsafe. And uh, I was like, well, we're raising all these kids. We are grooming them up. Uh, you know, uh, very well Christian and, uh, you know, uh, very well Christian introduced them to Christ. They went through hardship when they were young and then they are growing up. But I feel like by the time they all start flying on their own, they're going to, you know, land on a, a very wicked land. And then here comes a guy that I uh, have known when he also grew up on the street. So I've known him when we were like, like young and uh, he started, he started singing songs that, you know, like uh, trying to alert or uh, give alarm to the, uh, to our government, like, you know, giving hope to the people, but also alarming the government of what is going on down to the poor people. And uh, he was called Robert. 
And then he was like singing and singing and singing. Then later on, he, he wasn't, he wasn't a politician. So he was just singing and then people, he grew, uh, he, he raised his name, uh, through singing. And then later on, people liked him, like the countrywide. And then when the government was just giving death hears on his songs and what he was telling the government, he became a politician in 2017. And then he was like, uh, I'm going to be a politician. And then he went on and then he, uh, he ran for a seat of a member of a parliament in one of the constituency. So when he became a member of a parliament, he's like, well, in 2020, in 2020, I'm running for presidential elections. And then he had to call he, all of his friends. And, uh, among his friends, <laughs> definitely that, that comes Patrick. So we sat and then, uh, he started laying his dream and the vision of taking the country to the next step. He's young. He's, uh, he's, he just turned 39. And, uh, he has energy and he has influence to the people in the country. And then he's willing because the five, the five years that he was in, um, parliament, you could see how much he has done for his constituency for the period, for the less con- uh, period of time that he has been there. He has hospitals, he has, uh, schools, uh, he has all these kind of things that he has done. So he, he put all his salary towards building his constituency. So now he's running for president. So we have an example of what he has already done. And then he's running. For, and then everyone is like, ooh, let's go, let's go. Then to run for president, then he has to make a big wide, getting groups of people to support, to first to, uh, to, to, to give them the vision he has. And then those people will have to circulate the information onto the country. So my, my task was around my area. I am in my country. I am not as on top, but uh, I also influence because I'm always on TVs and uh, radios and all that kind. So, um, so he, he selected me. That is, uh, 2017 and, uh, 2018. We start making ways on how we're going to approach the people now. So he had to come up with uh, his political party. It's called People Power. So People Power came uh, just to alert people that the government we have, the uh, the corruption we have, if we all raise up, we are going to put the government down. Oh. And then we take on the power because what they are doing, it's not right. In uh, my government, where I come from, if you uh, oppose the government, they will also uh, <laughs> torture you. They are, I will use the word, they will deal with you. In, uh, <laughs> so it's like Biden and, 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 uh, and uh, Trump, you know, when they, so for you it's free, you can, you know, uh, you know, compete with, with, you can compete and who you want, but in Uganda, uh, it is just different. You can compete, but you have to risk your life. So to many of our friends, in 2018, it was just, you know, easy life. They were not torturing us on all that. And then, uh, 2019, <clears throat> that's when, like, actual, uh, like uh, actual, um, actual torturing started. So because we went to, uh, w- there was another member that died and then, uh, we are, they were doing bio elections to another constituency and then our political party was in there and then the, ga- the country at large believes in us right now. And then when we went there and it happened that the president was also going to campaign somewhere else in the same constituency. But far away, not the, in the same, like, the same place, or nearby place, but far away. And then, uh, we're just campaigning, going around, uh, alerting the people, and then, uh, all we started hearing is, like, guns, you know, gun, gun voices. 
Several of other people died, and then the military came and then, you know, put us in jail, threw us in jail and all that. And then it had to, it had to raise. That means like US, UK, US, and other European Union countries, uh, raised up and, uh, actually the, um, the ambassador US went to Guru, where it's like in northern part. Uh, she, she came over there to get um to get uh Robert out but they get they get Robert he's the only person because he's on the top figure Robert is my friend he's running for the president so he's on top figure but you know in other words all of us we are we are going to be out so they came over and then they got out of they got they get us out and then we came back then uh i think uh it was january 2020 uh, when, um, they, uh, we went for a campaign and then they started beating me, beating us and all that. And then we went to, uh, we, uh, we went for another kind of a campaign. Now we have started actual presidential campaigns and, uh, they told us there'll be a roundup. Roundup means during the election time, whoever supports the opposition, the roundup is coming for you. So the leaders, it was ours. So for me that night, I did not sleep in the house. I ran. <laughs> and I slept in, a, in another friend's house. So they didn't know where I was. And uh, they came. They knocked on the door like this. And they, uh, they, uh, my wife, you know, saw the, the security guys. And since I wasn't in there, so she, uh, she said, hey, uh, they asked, is Patrick here? They say, she said, no, Patrick is not here. And then they were like, where is she? Where's he? And then, uh, the, uh, she was like, he's not here. He said, open the door. So they opened, she opened the door. She went, they went through, they started checking. She was five months, uh, pregnant, pregnant. And then, uh, they, they rushed her. They, be, they started beating her. And then, uh, you know, kicked her in her, like on a stomach. And then she was, she was dying. And then they put her under the, uh, the, the truck then to go. And then they took her there, and then she was bleeding. She was she was in a very bad condition until the next morning. And then she called. They called me that your wife is at the police station. So when I went there, I found her when she was in bloody. All of her clothes were in blood and all that. Then I called her family. They put me in a jail. They let her go to the hospital. And uh, when I uh, when when I was in there, my friend uh, William. Uh, came, uh, William came over and then he, it's, it's called bond. I don't know if you guys have bonds over here when you're being in prison and, uh, police, then they give you a bond and you come out because your wife is dying. And then, um, the doctors, like, because of the poor equipments we have for medical, uh, they, they said they cannot work on her. Then I wrote to my friend, in uh, in California, she's a doctor. She keeps coming every year in Uganda, and I told her my wife. I told her the entire story. So she was like, "Well, if you can get a visa uh, for her to come to the states, then I can give her. The, uh, I, I can. She can be in the hospital and get better treatment." So she came over here. They put her uh, uh, because she was feeling much pain. So they put her. Uh, uh, a wrap, like a big wrap on, on here, just to keep, uh, what? A I don't know what it is, it's just something. <laughs> so they put her, just to hold the stomach, because she was breathing so much. And, uh, they, they give her all this kind of stuff so that she can fly to the States. And then, uh, uh, in October, uh, in, in May, 31st, uh, when she got here, she got good, uh, good, uh, medication and treatment and all that and then may 31st god blessed us with our first born uh daniela uh and then uh we uh, we are like we are very happy then for me i am in in uganda so after giving birth uh because of the uh she was scared and all that after giving birth we told her if she could come back to Uganda, and she was like, not now, <laughs> until the election is done. So uh, she was there, and then I was thinking about her, 
and then and then she was having complication after the, the birth and then i think one of the lib was broken um all this kind of stuff so in october i came over here uh in the states uh because i had not i i had never met my daughter uh from may from uh, january when she came over here and then she had all these complications and she gave birth and then because of covid everything was shut no flights nothing nothing was was you know working and then then in october i was like well before the elections let me take just one week of uh uh of uh, you know uh vacation from all that i was doing with political stuff to come and see her and i was like even if i die <laughs> even if i die so i i would you know see I, at least i have seen her so i went back i came here in october and then while I was here, things were getting worse down there. All my uh, leaders that I was with, they are all thrown in jail. Uh, the um, Robert was being uh, tortured and put in jail. Um, uh, others have been killed and then you put their bodies somewhere in, in, in woods. And, and uh, you know, um, lots of kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, torturing that was going on. And everyone was like, don't come back because all of your guys have been put in jail and then they want, because you are the leader of them, so they want you so that they can be uh, released from the, the police. So uh, I stayed here up to, from October up to March last year. Uh, yeah, last year. So after that, uh, in March, I was like, well, election is done. So January 14th last year, they elected the, the president. I mean, the, the, the same president came back because they rigged the votes. That was, uh, that was the real thing. They rigged the votes and then the same president came back. So I was like, well, everything is done. So no much torture. Let me just go home. So when I went home, I went with, uh, his brother, both of his brother, actually. <laughs> uh, one is called Brian, and Mike was here in the morning. And uh, they came along with me. Uh, Jim and Terry bought me a land uh, so that I can, you know, me and my wife having, we can have our own land and we can, we can raise our kids and all that. And uh, so we were working on my land, uh, Brian and Mike and I and different other people. And then here comes uh, a, poli- uh, uh, a car. I mean, I mean okay, normal car doesn't have anything. And then there the are two guys, three guys. Uh, they have uh, guns. And then they say, "Yeah, everyone is like, what's going on?" We started running. Uh, the uh, the next thing we knew, the blitz. Oh, then we started running, and then uh, I was hiding in a. Uh, 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 sweet potato, uh, plantation. I hide like this. And then, uh, they came and they found me. They started torturing me. They started beating me and, and, uh, you know, like, uh, um, they started beating me. They put me in it, in it, uh, in their car and then they drove, they drove me away. And then we have a general in the army. Uh, and then William was able to get hold of him and then said Patrick was but uh, the the, uh, the army, it is army now that uh, came and picked picked me up and said that William told the, the general that Patrick was picked and taken, and then he started connecting with the police and armies, and and then he was like, oh, I'm gonna help Patrick, but I need this much money for you for me to get him out of the of the jail. So we were going. Let me say we were going this direction. Oh, suddenly I saw the guys turning. And, uh, they drove me to, uh, Rwanda. And as I was in Rwanda, thinking that I've escaped all these things and what was going on over here, he handed me over the, uh, to, the, uh, on the border, he handed me over to Rwandan, uh, police forces. When I, when they took me over there, uh, after he entered into their house, uh, into their car, then they, Put, uh, they put me, they put a mask on me. Then we started going and going and going. And, uh, they were like, you know, the reason as to why we put a mask on you, simply because we don't want people to see you. Because we have this 
what we call community, uh, East African community, what works in Rwanda, it works in Uganda, Kenya, those three countries are all in East African community. So it was like someone might see you and then you'll be in trouble. So we need, we need to put a mask on you so we can drive you to a safe place. Then the next morning you're going to fly to the United States. I was like, okay, let's go. So the next thing I knew, we just right to someone's house, all fenced, and then took me in there. And then once they took me in there, then there is, you guys call it a basement. Then they, you walk in a very beautiful house, but there is a steps going down. And then they take you, you put, you are in a cage, and then you have to sit, uh, like, uh, you sit like this. They put you in a cage, and then you have to be like this. You cannot go like this, because it's not uh, long enough. Uh, you cannot lay your back. You have to sit the entire time. So I was there for over like two or three weeks, I guess. And then um, for some reason, I don't know what happened. So they don't give you food. Um, they give you food, portion and beans, which is a like cornmeal. It's like a cornmeal and uh, beans. Uh, they give you food now. Then tomorrow you're not eating. Uh, then the next day you are only drinking water. The next day you eat food like you eat food every other, the other day. And then um, after that, the uh, the uh, after 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 uh, after the food, they bring you out. They started telling me to call my uh my rich friends to give me money so they can release me to go <laughs> i started calling these guys they told they forced me like press this button call your friends and then i could call them and then hang up on them <laughs> maybe they think and then i hung up and then i told these guys my phone is dead so i don't have because they they had power but they only had one station where you can charge and then the next, when it's fully charged, then I tell them, my phone has a problem, it cannot put on. It's iPhone, sometimes I forgot my, uh, my password or something. I, I come up with something. <laughs> and then, um, it was one morning, and, uh, uh, it was just one morning, uh, the, uh, uh, I had the guy come, coming, it's in Kenya, Rwanda. Uh, I would have spoke if you know, anyone here knows the Kenya Rwandan, uh, language, but, uh, one guy came running and said, they've known us. They know where he is. Call that guy to pick him up because they're gonna, we're all in danger. And then I was, I was like, I came, I had them saying that and then someone came down, opened the cage, told me to come, put me back because you are all uh, on, uh, you are in your underwear. The entire time you were there. And then, uh, uh, giving my colleagues, they said, jump in a car. Then they drove me to the, um, to the border. So this general that we had trusted that will help me out, he also put me in danger, getting me to another security forces that I was tortured. My nails, some of my nails were pulled out. Uh, some of the teeth were pulled out just to give them the information. Oh, call your friends so that we can get money. And, uh, there's one time he called, he called me. He thought that I am the one. They called, they sent him a text that send the money for these guys to, was air ticket or something. And then he was like, for me, there was a strange message that I didn't even understand. Doesn't even match with what, uh, we had, we were say, saying here, Mike and, uh, Brian and everything. So I was like, yeah, those guys, they texted you <laughs> one time. So anyway, um, we came out over there. I came out over there and then the guy took me to the airport. He bought, he had to buy a ticket because otherwise he was going to lose his job. The government was looking for me and they knew that they had got me, but just, you know, like it's always corruption, you know, <laughs> if you corrupt this one, I corrupt the other one and all that. Then, uh, he didn't want to lose his job because I was like the top wanted people because there's so many other people in my community. Their children have been, have been prisoned, have been tortured. And then the people uh, in Bulenga that I work with, where the children's home is, 
They turned their back on me. They are saying that I was the one who introduced their children onto this political party. And then I knew that this is going to happen. I went to the United States in October and I never came back until the election is done and their children are being tortured and killed. So now you had a mission for our children to die. And I was like, I had no mission. I was in good faith. I knew like we're gonna win and all that. They are like, why did you go to the United States? It was like, well, I, wa- I wanted to see my wife and I wanted to see my, my daughter. She's the firstborn. So, uh, oh, that's all. I mean, I, I always said that and then people were just, you know, mad and all that. And, uh, um, they're the ones that actually called the police and then kind of fold up and military and stuff that I came back in the country. So, well, um, thank, thank free for the Lord, uh, that I was able to, uh, after these guys handed me over to the other general of, in Uganda, he, the guy drove me straight to the airport, uh, took me through the channel and then to the plane, and then I was able to fly, to fly to the United States, and here I am. So God is good. God has been so good um, with, um, you know, I mean, like, there's the times where I had to, you know, take the promises of God. Like, um, where it says in uh, Psalms uh, uh, 23, I think 23, 4, um, anyone with the Bible to, to read? Uh Uh, it's trend, I think it's 23 4. Yeah, so this is that verse that sometimes doesn't make sense. I am a believer. I love Christ with all my heart. He has, I went, I mean, like, most of you know my story. I went through, oh, this is not the first time that I was. It, it, it would be easier for, Myself to be like, you know, God, I'm done with you. So now I have to deal with myself. <laughs> and then here it promises that you're going through the hardships. I always be with you. My wife, uh, like, like I said in the beginning, I, my life hasn't been family thing. You know, my mom died. My dad died. Left me with my sister. I have to raise my sister. Here comes I have to raise up with, uh, I have to raise how many kids? 270. I have a ministry. I have to do this. I do all these good things for Christ's sake. And then I jump into the politics. And my life kind of like dumped my life back in the torture and all the uh, emotional stuff. But the Lord says that he will walk with you. I always felt that in me, and I said, well, God, if you want me to die, I'm ready to die. If this is the time that you have allowed me to go, I am ready to go and stay with you. And then when something like this came, like when the, one of the guard came running saying, they know us. They're going to get us. We need to get him out of here. Now, call the other guy to come pick him up so we're clean. And then this guy drove me straight to the airport. I'm like, you are God. It's not, I did not call them to give, send the money to get me on the airport. Maybe I've tried to call them and I, I, they, I never, I never pick up their calls, but they never sent anything. And here I am, I, I, I flew to the United States. And I look back and I'm saying, this scripture still works. And God is still working. God loves us. There was a time when uh, I was thinking that, you know, I feel like my faith did not actually remove me from the pain. But I got... I go, but, but, but I feel like it got me through the, it got me through the pain 
trusting God did not diminishing diminishing the um, the anguish, but it enabled me to endure what I was going through. So I have to trust God that this is the place that, for now, I am hoping that one day, one time, He will take me back home, and He will do. I'll do the ministry with uh, with everyone. Um, so while I was here, I got a phone call from um, <clears throat> some of you know. Beautiful Response is a nonprofit back here that supports us back home. So I got a call from um, Caleb, is uh, the leader of the Beautiful Response, and uh, he was like, "Well, I got an email." From William. William is the another guy that I work with raising up for Uganda. And he says, Patrick, um, we're afraid. After the COVID, people have dropped and we don't have enough money to keep getting more kids onto the, the children's home. So we're going to keep the ones that we have as we are looking for funds to keep running, take the kids to school, food and all that. And all this is true. And uh, um, from the beginning, God gave me this verse uh, in uh, Isaiah 117. Anyone to volunteer again <laughs> to read? So God gave me this um, thing, and uh, the child that I got from the street, I go down there to these children there. You know, like I've talked this about, I have talked about this million times. They are often they are lonely. They they place their children of like you know from two years to eighteen, nineteen years. They have grown up, their, their entire life has been on the street until, you know, God calls them. So I'm like, what can I do, you know? Um, what should, what should I do? So went back to Christ and then I was praying, like, God, what, what should I do to help more down in Uganda? Um, God gave me this, uh, new vision. For God gave me this new vision for a young adult. So we have a women empowerment program for young girls that you know um, has have to live on prostitutes. Uh, they have to sell their bodies so that they can live. To some of you, have bought those bags, those from those some of those girls, and uh, and then I was like, you know what? The cause of the girls being pregnant on the street, it's not being caused by the girls. It's caused by these, these young boys. So what have we done to kind of, you know, like, uh, help the, help the boys also understand? They live a life of miserable because they live on the street. They live a life of loneliness. They live a life of survive, uh, uh, surviving. They live of life, they live a life of salvation. And I'm like, what should I do? So I started this ministry called Hope Empowers while I'm in the States. <laughs> so you'll be like, how did he do this? <laughs> so I started this ministry called Hope Empowers. Papa said for the, uh, boys that, uh, that boys are a, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 years. It's a one-year program that is purposely um, trying to train these boys what what they call fatherhood figure, what they call respect of a woman, what uh, they what uh, they call um, you know like uh, what else. Um, 
something, you know, something that they feel like, uh, you know, like teach them because they, they, they are the generation. They are, they are 18 or so. That means they're, they're like, they're in their generation. Tomorrow they're going to be the father of the kid, you know, of the, of their kids. And then they, they keep impregnating these girls and dump them there. And then these girls, they have to suffer to, they have to suffer to raise, first to raise the pregnancy, but also to raise these kids. And then we are, we are very busy trying to support, uh, empower the girls, but we, don't, we are not uh, trying to solve the problem. So we have started this ministry to start kind of getting the, uh, the boys uh, of the slums, getting them into the house, give them the modules of the fatherhood figure, disciple to them, and give, you know, kind of prepare, preparing them and getting them ready if they're, you know, like if they're gonna have kids, what they have to do, what they have. So all those kind of stuff. So, um, now we have, uh, 15 boys living in, um, these houses. And, uh, but at the very end of that, we're also giving them a skill, sustain, sustainable skill, like a welding, carpentry, farming, and uh, um, business skills and and give business uh and business training so we give them in a way that after one year we have worked with them send them to um send them to uh back to their to re- reconnect them to their same communities where they came from but this time they're coming back to the community well equipped and ready to start their lives all over again so that's the ministry that I'm working, but I'm still raising up hope for Uganda is affiliated with hope and power ministry. So we it's under the raising up hope is no hope and powers is under raising up hope for Uganda. But this is just for the older boys trying to nurture them up, give them second chances to live and give them skills to uh, fight their lives up. So, yeah, so. Um, being that the house and the land was given by the, by Terry and, uh, Jim, so we, we have, uh, we have, uh, said that we're gonna, uh, we're gonna name this, this house Terry's Rescue Children's Home. And we've just decided that today <laughs> in honor of, uh, Terry's because, uh, she gave that house to me and Priscilla and, the, and my biological children, but uh, the thing that we are not there and we are not hoping to go there anytime soon, um, I was like, you know, it's going to be empty there. It's just going to sit over there until. So I, I just, you know, since raising up hope for Uganda, doesn't I have any space for this for more children? So let me just do this and try help more and more of my country. So. Yeah, that's what I have for today, but uh just want to say thank you very much for coming over. Thank you for all your support and love, and uh, God bless you. Oh, of the house. Yeah, that's the house. <laughs> yeah, um, could you please? Yeah. Yeah, they're just cleaning. It, it was done by that time, so they were cleaning to re- get ready for, um. Yes. So we have a very, uh, good people and, uh, great team that, uh, that is trying to, uh, help us uh nurture these kids and send them so uh we started this this month uh with welding so they are already uh, uh welders some uh, all of them they are welders now uh, we have our own uh, corn and beans and carrots and tomatoes and all that coming up and uh, so we have already this ministry have already started uh keeping on growing 
Yes, we have this, we call it discipleship program, uh, discipleship time. So we sit on that table and then they, uh, we, you know, we share, uh, right at the moment we are trying to share for, uh, you're trying to, uh, you know, like trying to, to some of them to memorize some verses, uh, you know, that, you know, they, they feel like they're inspiring. So telling them a story, they are 15 and 16, 18 years and, uh, some of them they've never been to school. Some of them they don't know how to read. Some of them, so we have English and mathematics because we feel that those are the major things because they need to, on a, like, Today, if you don't know English, some people, we have 52 languages in that small country, but we need a language that combines us. So we, we, Uganda was colonized by British, so we speak English so much. So if these boys, they don't know English, if someone from northern part comes and but wants to buy some things from them, they don't know the language, they are losing business. So we are teaching them English and mathematics, and in business you need to count. Money, <laughs> you need to count money and you need to, uh, you know, know how to count and read. So that's what we are doing at the moment. But we have discipleship classes every evenings, which we call uh, devotions. Yes. Any question? Right now, I'm in the U.S. custody, so the U.S. is the one that to tell me when and how, <laughs> uh, for the sake of my family, and uh, for the sake of my life and my family's life. So, um, so we are under, um, is it? Uh, uh, no, we are under political asylum card. Yeah. Yeah. So. This one here? There we go. No. I don't need your notes. <laughs> um, I've been to Uganda five times, as many of you know, uh, and uh, Patrick, since he was in the slums as a young boy, you know, and his uh, his parents died and, of course, was raised in the slums. When he got an opportunity by some American to actually help out, he took that advantage and started taking in little kids from the time. And he was still a kid himself, as most of you know his story. But uh, um, I wanted to know, being there, it was amazing because you asked about do they learn about Christ. I mean, it is a couple of hours uh, at night, and they start with the drums and the music, and the, and the, and then of course the devotions, and then each time we were there, they would each get, ask us as team leaders to also to uh, come and talk about Christ and talk to these kids, and it was amazing how much they knew about the Bible, you know. But they were asking about certain areas of the countries. Now they're also inquisitive because you remember these kids have nothing, so say. I understand there's gold in this area that I read in the Bible. Can uh, you tell us where that is? You know? <laughs> so they were inquisitive about. So, it, but it was beautiful because seeing these kids, you would we would come into the village and they would just run up and grab your hand, you know, and just hold it. Just wanted to be held, you know, and and to trust somebody, especially a mzungu like me. They call white people mzungus. It's really wanderers. That's what they call it because a lot of the. Uh, Foreigners would come in, like Livingston and stuff. They would come through the Africa, and they would say, who's this guy? Where would he come from? There he goes. And they'd come back, and they called him Wanderers. Well, now the term kind of turned into white person. And we bought T-shirts over there that said Mzungu so that the Africans knew we were white people. You know, um, But it was, it was their kind of joke. But it was – the biggest thing that I saw, too, was how much people loved to hear about God and loved to hear about Christ. The churches, these people would walk like an hour and a half, two hours just to get to a church service and to make sure that they were there. And it was it was amazing and singing. And like Patrick said, we give greetings. They loved it so much when we would say, hey, 
our church back home sends you greetings, and they were just ecstatic that people would be even thinking of them. And so it, um, you know, I've known Patrick now for quite a few years, and uh, obviously um, hurt so much for what he and his family have gone through. But I know that God has blessed him and will continue to bless him, and uh, and bless us too because we've blessed him. And um, I just thank you guys for. Yeah, we actually, I don't know if all of you find out, but um, we actually have raised from, since the memorial even and, bef- and beyond, uh, we have raised um, $8,720. And um, Doug gave me a check today, which I'm, when I take Patrick back, it's all going through Children's Home Chain. I, my brother started an organization called Children's Home Chain. Now there's a lot of people that work in that organization and they administer the money so that we as a church don't have to say, oh, okay, today we need a check for this amount. We need a thousand dollars for this. They do all that. And so, um, and they're a government entity. Um, what do they call that? Um, yes, thank you. Um, so, uh, by doing that, we're able to just set it right there, and then they're able to say, "Okay, so much money using for this empowerment, so much money using for like they have a they have a staff of over there that if they get sick, there's no medical for the staff, and so um, children's home chain realized, hey, we need to do something there. So they started a medical thing, and so that if the staff gets sick, they can go to hospital because if they get sick and they die, there's no one to take care of these children. Um, so we got to make sure they still stay healthy as well. But what's nice about it, every cent goes to them. There's no ministry. Nobody takes any money out of it here in the United States or over there. It goes specifically to those needs, whether we're building schools or whatever. And I got to see that stuff firsthand when we help build churches, wells, these homes. It's just, you know, it's it's amazing. So, yeah. From when, when I was there, like I said, I didn't see the children in any trouble. Obviously, Patrick got in trouble because he just decided to get into politics. But yeah, as far, and, uh, you can get in all kinds of trouble in politics these days. But, um, yeah, the children, the, when you say safe, they're safe from the government. They're not safe from starvation. Uh, when I was there, and multiple times, the last time I was there, Patrick took us a walk through the slums and, I saw a little boy and he had a bottle and sniffing it and um, what it was is petroleum. And the whole idea was not because he wanted to get high so that he could sleep so he wouldn't feel the hunger. And this is a 10 year old boy, you know, and this is a situation that you see them laying on the ground. You see, um, uh, you know, raw sewage coming down right through the village and in the slums there and kids playing in this, you know, in situations. And Patrick heart is to pull these kids out as much as he can. Um, even when they weren't even prepared, he had, I was talking to one of his workers one time and he said, uh, Patrick's saying was, um, we will build the ship as we sail it. So even it wasn't even ready to go. He was trusting in God that we'll figure it out. God will help us, whatever the situation might be. Um, so I've been very fortunate to know Patrick. And of course, like I said, uh, William is over there now, um, directing, uh, Ruhu. So please keep William and that staff and, uh, in prayer, you know, because, uh, there, there's challenges and every single day they have challenges. I mean, when we were there just before we got there or just after we got there, I think one of the boys, Alan, that I knew, uh, was electrocuted. You know, he was working in the house and of course the electric's not great. And, um, I remember being there and William, I'm, I'm, he could see my eyes getting big as he was telling me these different stories. And he said, I can see you're not used to death. Um, they're so used to it. They don't become hardened by it. Obviously it hurts them as it, just as it does us, but they see it every day. You know, um, and so it's, it's gut wrenching. Um, the biggest thing is, as you mentioned, the biggest thing that they need above everything else is they need the gospel. They need to hear the gospel. Um, uh, children's home chain, uh, supplies Bibles over there in the Uganda language so that they can read the gospel and hear the gospel news. That's ultimately, we're all going to leave this planet. Every one of us, one way or another, we need the gospel. 
and these guys are making sure that that and helping them along the way um, while they're doing it. Yes, sir. Uh, so you said that there was some kind of a deficit in funds or funds were decreasing. Is that still the case? And if so, what, what does that look like? What are, what are some of the needs in that area? Um, so with uh, raising up hope, uh, yes, every Thursday, with uh, it's called Caleb and Laura and William back home, and then William sends out like a budget of different things that or different things with the different needs, and uh, one of the biggest need was uh, like a mosquito nets that he was you know like the kids are getting sick and they you know like uh, the hospital bill keeps on raising and and then he we have 170 kids that lives in. Um, in the children's home, uh, but and then uh, like uh, uh, doing the uh, community outreach program, you know, going to talk to elderly or talk to uh, children, you know, the children are suffering back home and all that kind of stuff. So that was the the actual need, and then there were uh, we first of all say that they had like. Ten, like a yearly, like the entire year, there were like ten, ten thousand U.S. dollars, maybe nine thousand dollars. Less last year, or no. they're less this year. It's gone down. Yeah, yeah. The, the, you know, they, they're losing, you know. So they were like worried of like, if we keep on bringing kids, what are we gonna see the, the rest? So, um, they had kind of like cut. The children to come in, in order to keep the other one in and safe. So they can actually help the kids that you've got. Yeah. Sorry. Other questions? How many mosquito nets do you need? Yeah. I haven't seen her since I was here, but thankfully for the technical knowledge. So I always on WhatsApp uh, or FaceTiming. So that's what they have. That's the way how we communicate. She's the now she took over. She's the leader of Village of Hope. So she's Village of Hope is full of second. Like we turned Village of Hope as a school, high school now. So our we have, I think uh, Mountview Baptist Church back then are the one that kind of like started. Uh, we had a day, we called it daycare program. For the children that don't go to, our children could go to school, but the, there was a bunch of other children in a community that could not afford, uh, like parents could not afford to send their children to school. So we started a daycare program, and then my first time of coming over here, uh, there was uniforms um, that I took back home, and then we give them, and then we, oh, why don't we just start up our own school, which turned up to be good, just because. Um, you pay one teacher, uh, maybe a month is like $30 or maybe $20 to teach maybe 40 children in a class. And then, you know, like we always have been like, please sponsor child, please sponsor this child. And then sometimes, you know, finances can go down for you. That means you cannot be able to send the money back home by, to sponsor this child. So, um, then we're like, why don't we just say, uh, you know, like the money that comes in for sponsor child goes in a bucket. And then, you know, like, you know, uh, we pay the teacher to keep these kids being taught. And uh, also this money can be helping not only just one child, but all the children are being shared, you know, like sharing this money. Whether you pay $10, maybe whether you pay $20. The money goes in a bucket and then goes to different projects. Yeah, what was neat, because you said before, a lot of these kids were sent out and they said, why don't we just start our own schools? Instead of sending these schools, it's going to be a lot less expensive. And then uh, our church helped build one of the schools right there, the elementary school right there in the, in the village that uh, the boys' home was, just at, right down over the hill there. And then uh, they actually started hiring teachers and had them there. And what they have done, if you remember seeing the big church at the Village of Hope, the Village of Hope 
is out. It's, it was uh, gifted to them four acres, and on that they built that big church. They put a well on there. Uh, there were two houses built on there uh, where they originally brought the kids from the slums, and they lived there. Well, now those house the uh, high school, what we would call second, they call secondary, so the high school type kids, they're there and they have classes inside that church because that church is huge. They just sectioned it off at that time and they're also building, aren't they building a building or do they have that built? Yeah, we have just built a building. Yeah, they just built a building that's going to be classrooms outside the church. Clinic too. A what? A clinic. Oh yes, and then of course they had a doctor come and visit and they built now a medical clinic on that same property. So they have, well, they have, at first, the people in the community were like, we don't want these kids here until they started seeing that, hey, they brought a well in. So they did it for the community. People go, yeah, bring your kids in. You know? <laughs> so that's kind of the plan. But and then there was no church. And then this community, I've spoke this here before, but this community was more in a witch doctor, like witchcraft, because back home there are some villages that never heard about Christ. And one of these, uh, like, this village was one of those. And then we came in and then, you know, like we started praising and worshiping the Lord. Our way of worshiping and praising the Lord is like dancing and drumming and <laughs> shouting and, you know, and, uh, people are like, you know, you cannot bring Christ here when we are, you know, uh, worshiping our God here. And then, uh, worshiping, worshiping their ghosts. And then uh, people were so mad, and they started taking us to the police and all the authorities. And then later, uh, after the police, you know, reviewed us, we are registered. We are NGO registered, so we have a church registered, everything registered. The, uh, the government knew that we are there. For, uh, you know, we are fully registered, and we have no harm for the community. You know, we persisted going over there, and then the... Some community members came in, started worshiping with us, and then even the leader of uh, the uh, witch doctors now today is worshiping, and he's in a, he's in a, uh, he's in a choir now. He's leading. <laughs> <laughs> so he's singing, and then it's so amazing because he brought all his magic stuff that they use, voodoo, those voodoo stuff they use. And to over there, the, and then it's called Pastor James. He burnt them just right outside the church because she brought them and we burnt them there. And then, uh, and that drew a lot of people in the community because everyone was fearing her. Always. She was a fearable, a fearable person in the community. So now she's praising the Lord. And, <laughs> yeah. That's pretty cool. Well, thank you guys. One more question back there. Uh, yes, so um, this Hope Empowers, since raising up hope for Uganda, helps kids away from um, when they're like a baby, because we get the abandoned babies, to, you know, as fast as they can go, like universities, vocational trainings, and all that kind of stuff, but send them that. But uh, Hope Empowers is purposely aiming those children that we are not given a chance to come in children's home. And then they have grown up in, uh, in slums. They are just stealing, uh, starving. Uh, you know, like they need, they need people to give them a skill so they can fight and run for their lives. So that's the purpose of Hope and Powers. So we are just aiming for the older boys over there. So older girls already they have, we have a home for them. They are all well off and once they're done, they, you know, they, they still do the same thing. We keep going to their communities, sending them to their communities, and uh, at least they have uh, uh, they have a skill that can help them to run. So it's the same thing, the same thing that we are doing to the boys as well. For the girls, they do uh, uh, sewing, air dressing, uh, soap making, like a liquid soap making. And, uh, what is, uh, addressing this? And then we do like a counseling and other things, uh, theologically. So, uh, those for the girls. But here the boys, 
go for mess eh? building is it mason what is it called masons yeah yeah masons uh that's american so back home we say building <laughs> so do building uh we do welding uh we do farming carpentry and uh, computer training and math and math, uh, math and english lessons that the boys does yeah any other questions how many nets do we do we need <laughs> so the next uh, round according to william he needs around 100 nets for now yeah Well, I thank you all for coming out tonight and listening to Patrick. And uh, let's see, what that's what we're going to do right now. Yeah, uh, yeah and one other thing. Um, for those that would like to know more about uh, Hope and Powers, they have, like, brochures that you can read and get to know more about it. And, yeah, so they are just sitting somewhere. And you can give Patrick your email. He can actually send you updates as well. Let's, let's go to God in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come before your throne of grace. First of all, God, we, we are just in such awe of who you are and your abilities and, and unbelievable love that you have for us. It's unimaginable that you would even love us this much, Lord, that you, you would think to send your son to die, actually to live first and then die for us, that we might have eternal life. You loved us that much. Lord, you love Patrick and you love all those children in Uganda as well, Lord, that they are yours. Lord, we ask, we just lift Patrick up. We lift his family up. We lift those in Uganda up, Lord. We just ask you to strengthen those that are delivering the gospel each and every day. Um, we ask you to give people the ears to hear, that they take it into their heart, Lord, and Look to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We just thank you so much for what you're doing in the lives of people like Patrick. We ask you to continue to strengthen him and keep him healthy. And we do pray, Lord, that one day he and his family can return home, Lord, safely. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.